Happy Easter. Okay, I'm on this time. We want to welcome you to Arden first. I want to draw your attention to the connection card in front of you. If you're a guest, we'd love to fill that out so we can uh, get to know you guys. And also, if you have any prayer requests or make a decision during the service, uh, you can place this in the offering basket or we have boxes in the back. So uh, how many of you are glad it's Easter? Amen. Exciting. Well, let's open up in a word of prayer and then we'll jump into God's word. So, Father, we just want to tell you how much we love you. Thank you for that great singing. God, that we should be, of all people, the most joyful because we serve not a Savior who's dead, but we serve a Savior who is risen. And God, we want to thank you for that. So, Father, as we celebrate and as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Bless each person here, especially our special guests. We pray that they would sense your presence and that when they leave the place today to go to lunch or any family outings, they would say, I was glad that I was in the house of the Lord today. We love you, Father, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in John's Gospel, chapter 20. If you'll turn in your Bible or you have a listening guide in your bulletin, you can follow along. But as you're turning there, just a few announcements. I want to encourage everyone to come back next Sunday. We're starting back in our series through the book of Ephesians, and it's called Becoming Who You Are. And a lot of times we don't realize who we are in Christ. So when you get to church and you hear a pastor say, you need to do this, 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 we're like, I can't. But when you realize who you are in Christ and you realize it's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you, he gives you the power to do what only he can do. Amen. So I want to start off with something a little fun. Uh, you know, every Easter service, there's usually special choir performance. And I was reading about a church in East Texas. They were starting off singing, Up from the Grave He Arose. How does that go, choir? Up from the grave he arose. Now you know why they don't get me in the choir, right? So, uh, so they were singing, Up from the Grave They Arose. But this church was split down the middle. So they had the women start off first. And, you know, all the ladies in their outfits and high heels and one of the ladies didn't realize she had these very skinny high heels, ladies, you know what I'm talking about, very skinny. And there was an air-conditioned vent right in the center of the church. And her heel stuck into it, and she was stuck. The procession was moving on, but she couldn't move. So gracefully, she slipped her shoe out and just kept going up from the grave here, Rose, as they marching down to the choir loft. And right behind her was a gentleman, and he's like, well, I better pick this shoe up in case someone trips over it. So he grabs the high heel shoe as they're marching the big AC grate comes up with him. So he's marching like clockwork. And little did he realize the guy behind him didn't see what he did. And he fell in to the big hole. So as they were finished, hallelujah, Christ is risen. Everyone's clapping. They hear a voice from under the church saying, watch out. I hope no one's up there because I'm coming through. Get out of my way. A little girl who didn't know what happened said, come on, Jesus, we're out of your way. <laughs> Aren't you glad he arose? So we're going to start in John 20, now that everyone's had a little laugh. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple, we believe is John, 
he outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, before we continue on, it's almost as if Jesus was not in a rush to get out of the tomb. So, like, his linen cloth was lying there, and... The, the, the thing that wrapped his head was folded. So Jesus, it wasn't like someone stole his body. It was left there as evidence to say, I'm risen. And here's the grave close to prove it. Verse 8. Then the other disciple who had come to the tomb first went in also, and I love this phrase, he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that Jesus must again rise from the dead. Then the disciples went their way again to their homes. And look at verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stood, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. Now, when they had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing that Jesus was the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to the father and to your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken these things to her. May God bless his word. So today I want to give us six reasons why Easter, why Resurrection Sunday is the greatest day in human history. Um. And by the way, Aaron here is painting a picture that goes with the message. If you're wondering, who's that guy in front? Um, so he's going to be painting the message for you guys to enjoy. If you follow along with me, I'm listening, guy. The first reason is this. Six reasons why we should celebrate. The tomb was empty so that your heart could be full. You know, if you see the text here in verses 1 and 2, the disciples have had a really bad weekend. Any of you guys ever had a bad weekend? I mean, they were just having the worst time of their life. On Friday... Their best friend, their teacher, their savior, the one that they have accepted as God in the flesh, Jesus come to earth, has just died. And for some reason, they didn't recall the scriptures. And Jesus had told them on numerous times, the son of man must die, but in three days he'll rise again. But for some reason, they're like us. We have SADD. Some of you have heard of ADD. They had spiritual attention deficit disorder. They just just didn't get it. And... Jesus told them that he would rise. So Friday, Jesus was crucified. On Saturday, I could just imagine that the demons of hell were throwing a party. The Son of God is dead. You know what that means for us, right? I could imagine them saying, no eternal punishment, as Jesus said. You know, Jesus is gone, so we get to party throughout eternity, I could imagine them saying. And all hope seemed lost. But then on Sunday morning, Mary comes to the tomb. And she looked to the left, there was nothing. She looked to the right, Jesus wasn't there. She looked up, 
She looked down. She looked everywhere, all around, but Jesus was nowhere to be found. Because early that morning, Jesus had gotten up. He had taken off all the grave clothes. And he had walked, I believe he walked through the stone, because we see later on Jesus could walk through walls in his new glorified body. And the stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to get out, but so the people could come in and see that the tomb was empty. The tomb is empty so that your heart could be full. A German theologian expressed in a single sentence the span from Good Friday to Easter Sunday in this. And I think it it says so much for today. God weeps with us now so that someday we may laugh with him. God weeps with us now so that someday we may laugh with him. So I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, the tomb was empty so that your life doesn't have to be. And you notice who was at the tomb first, Mary Magdalene. And if you study the Gospels, Mary was a shady character. So if anybody in here has a past or currently has a lifestyle that is a little shady, you can relate with Mary. In fact, her life was so messed up, she could have easily been on a talk show. Did you know that she was so messed up she was demon-possessed? I mean, you thought some of your family members had it bad. She had seven demons inside of her, the Bible says. But it's interesting that she was... One of the last ones at the cross, but she was one of the first ones at the tomb. And isn't it amazing that the first appearance would be to a woman that had a past? What does that tell you about God's grace? What does that tell you? The tomb is empty so your heart could be full. Mary's heart used to be full of evil and empty of God. But now Mary's heart is full of love, full of life because of Jesus. Amen. The second reason why we should celebrate why Easter is the greatest day in human history, better than any other day, is you may be just one moment away from your miracle. You may be just one moment away from your miracle. If you look at verses 2 through 7, the scene happens where Mary gets there. It's still dark. It's beginning to dawn. The, the first rays of sun are starting to beam through the hills of Jerusalem. The light's starting to arise. And all of a sudden, Mary looks around and She's coming to the tomb to see Jesus and to anoint him and whatever she was planning to do. And notice he's not there. So what does she do? She goes and runs to get the disciples. And I could just imagine Mary running. Can you imagine her taking off the dust of the roads in Jerusalem coming up? And she's like, I don't know where Jesus is at. So you have Peter and John. They come running on the scene. Who outran who in this text? John outran Peter, right? Does that seem a little competitive? He wrote there, by the way, I outran Peter and I was first to the tomb. Just like us guys, right? <laughs> so uh, he came to the tomb first. Most scholars think John was younger. Peter was a little bit older at this point, a rugged fisherman. You know, he didn't have as much, much energy as some of you 20-year-olds out there. And he, he ran to the tomb. John came in first. You notice that John paused and he really thought about it, but Peter... Do his typical self. He ran right in without even thinking. And you notice in the text, it says that Peter stared. He looked. And in the Greek, it implies an intense stare. What Peter didn't realize until later, when Jesus revealed himself, is the reason why the tomb was empty. Because they were just one moment away from experiencing a miracle. They were just one moment from realizing that Jesus had done the greatest miracle in history. 
Jesus had just defeated sin. Jesus has just defeated death. Jesus has just defeated hell and the grave. So if you're a Christian, and if you're not going to give you an opportunity to do so, you know what? It's the greatest moment for you because sin no longer has mastery over you. The grave, it doesn't matter anymore because guess what? Whenever I take my last breath here, I'm taking my first breath in heaven. I was joking with some of our our young at heart adults the other week, and I said, you know, from an eternal perspective, uh, no matter if you're 90-something, you're still a young man or young woman. You just happen to be an older body waiting for your new body to be exchanged. And all God's people said, amen. So some of you may not realize this, but you may be just one moment away from a miracle, a miracle of hope, a miracle of salvation, a miracle of divine intervention. Some of you need a, a healing in your body. Some of you are going through a depression. You may not realize it, but just as Mary and Peter and John and the rest, they were just one moment away from experiencing a miracle. So may you be on this Easter morning. And by the way, the resurrection, it wasn't just a one-time event. It has present implications. In fact, Paul tells us in another passage that the resurrection power resides within every believer. Did you realize that? So the resurrection wasn't just a one-time event that ended there, but it has implications for today. So because he lives, as the choir is saying, you too can live. Amen? The third great thing about Easter, the reason why it's the greatest day in human history, is if you believe in Jesus, you can receive life forever. Look at verses 8 through 10. It says, Then the other disciple, whom we believe to be John, came to the tomb first. He went all in also... He saw and believed. You know, John believed what he saw. The thing about us in 2017 is we're believing what we don't see. You know, they had the advantage of actually seeing Jesus rise. We walk by faith and not by sight. So for those of you who have believed, I want to say, you know, Jesus is very pleased with that faith because you're believing in a God you haven't yet seen yet. But you know what? You've experienced him. He's moved inside of you. Whenever you say yes to God, he says yes to you, and he moves inside of you, the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Christian life. Easter is all about God doing the impossible. God raised Jesus from the dead so that if you believe in him, God too will raise you from the dead. So whenever you take your last breath, that's not the end of you. That's just the beginning. In Romans 10, 9 through 11, it gives us the gospel in a nutshell. What John believed, Paul says that if you believe, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe that God has raised them from the dead, just like John believed, it says you will be saved. And then it says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So one of the things we celebrate by Easter is that we have new life, that God has forgiven us, that the old life is gone and the new life has come. Amen. Max Lucado, many of you are familiar with him. He's a famous Christian author. In his book, Six Hours, One Friday, he tells about the story of a missionary in Brazil. And this missionary came to this undiscovered tribe of Indians. And the challenge with this tribe of Indians is there was a deadly disease that was spreading throughout the tribe. And they didn't know what to do. People were dying day after day. And the problem was, is there was a hospital that was close by, but it was on the other side of the river. And this remote tribe of Indians believed that this river was possessed by evil spirits. And to cross the river to get to the hospital would mean sudden death. So they didn't dare 
cross day after day they began to die. The missionary didn't know what to do. He's like, I got to do something. So he told them, listen, watch what I do. And he went in the river. He splashed water on himself. They still didn't believe. He said, look, he went to his waist, splashed all of his face. He's like, there's no evil spirits in this river. They still didn't believe. Finally, in a moment of desperation, he took a plunge, swam underneath the river all the way to the other side. And he came out on the other side. And he, with the triumphant fist, he said, see, there's nothing in this river that can harm you. And one by one, the whole tribe navigated, migrated all the way through to the other side because they realized this missionary, he had swam through and nothing had harmed him. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? He entered the river of death and he came out on the other side so that we may no longer fear death, but we can have eternal life in him. Amen. The fourth reason why Easter is a day of celebration is a day of rejoicing is since Jesus is alive, he can turn your tears into cheers. Look at verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb. What is she doing? Weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And you notice there's two angels that appear. I find it very intriguing that angels announce the birth of Jesus. And also you see an angels announcing his resurrection. Angels are messengers. And the message that they were given is we see from other parallel gospels is he is not here for he is risen just as he had said. So here we have Mary and she is weeping, thinking that Jesus is gone. I've lost him once and now his body's gone. I may never get to see him again. And all of a sudden Jesus appears and he turns her tears into cheers of joy and she's celebrating. So right now. You may be sitting here and you're thinking about lunch to come. But right now inside, there may be elements of brokenness inside of you. There may be drama going on in your family. Surely no one's got family drama in here. Um, There may be something in your career that's bothering you. Maybe a big change. Maybe you're not happy about your job. Maybe there's something in retirement life. You thought retirement was be sitting by the beaches Enjoying life, and now you're spending more time in the doctor's office than you're all on vacation. But no matter what you're going through, I want you to know that because of the resurrection, Jesus can turn your tears into cheers. He can turn your sorrow into joy. He can turn your brokenness into healing. He can turn your setback into a comeback. He can turn your breakdown into a breakthrough because he rose again. Aren't you glad it's Easter? I was reading a story about about a a young girl of 15 years old, and this really touched my heart. And she had went through a major health crisis. She was paralyzed on one side, and she was nearly blind, and she was laying in the hospital bed. And she overheard the doctor, who wasn't using good bedside manner at the time, he said, I'm sorry, but her best days are behind her. And this little girl, half paralyzed, almost blind, said, Doctor, you know what? My best days are ahead of me because I'm going to see the beauty of the King when I get to the other side. Because of Easter, we can say that no matter what happens to me, God's got a plan for me. Amen. Philip Brooks, famous author, wrote this poem. Tomb, thou shalt no longer hold him. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Stronger indeed, 
faith and hope triumph say Christ will rise on Easter day. He is risen. Look at the person next to you and say he's alive. Just in case you're sleeping, you're awake now. Number five. Jesus seems far away. Until he calls out your name. I love how Mary is crying and worry. I'm just so worried. I don't know where Jesus is at. I could just imagine her crying. And she doesn't recognize Jesus. And we could speculate why. I mean, he walked with Jesus. But realize that Jesus is in his glorified body now. Which gives us hope because um, we read in Isaiah that Jesus had no beauty, that we should be attracted to him. And now got, he's back in his glory. So for, for some of us who are like, man, I need some, some help. Just realize your resurrection body is going to be far more beautiful and amazing than you can realize that people may. Is that you? Oh, my. And gives us some hope, right? Just a little Easter nugget there. But in his resurrection body, resurrected body, um, Jesus, and I'm sure he veiled himself as he did to the people of Emmaus. That, that's a possibility, of course. But he's in his resurrected body. He reveals himself later. But before she thinks he's the gardener. And she's crying. And you notice all of a sudden he says, Mary. You know, God can seem far away. But when he calls out your name, Jim, Lori, Tom, Aaron, whenever he calls out your name, hope arises. Whenever he calls out your name, you may be in despair, but all of a sudden joy emerges. Friend, whenever he calls out your name, he speaks life and he speaks hope and he speaks love. So the reason why Christians go a little crazy on Easter Day is he called out our name one day. And we know that the resurrection is a reality. I mean, did you realize that in, I believe it's in the Greek Orthodox tradition, on Monday they tell jokes? Did anybody realize that? Because in, in their tradition, they, they tell jokes and laugh because they believe that Satan thought that he had defeated Jesus. Big joke on you now, right, Satan? Because the tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, your life can be full. Amen? Until Jesus calls out your name. And number six, and some of you are like, amen, I'm ready for the lunch. I know your stomach's grumbling, so I'm keeping it short today. Jesus came to your place. So that he could take you to his place. Aren't you glad? Verses 17 and 18. Jesus says something very interesting. And scholars that sometimes puzzles them. But listen to the text here. Jesus said, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and tell them I'm sending to my father, your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene told the disciples. What was Jesus saying here? Well, it helps us in the original language. The word cling means to grab onto so intently you don't want to let them go. And I think Jesus' message to Mary is a message for us today. Yes, we want to cling on to Jesus, but Jesus is going to the Father. And there's something better on the other side that awaits us. So the things of this world don't hold on too tightly because Jesus has something better for you on the other side. If life doesn't seem great right now, don't hold on too tightly. Because one day we're going to be in the presence of Christ, in the presence of the Father. Many of you have heard of John Quincy Adams. Very good looking gentleman. When he was 80 years old, one of his friends said, John Quincy Adams, how are you doing today? 
And I'm going to read his quote. He replied, John Quincy Adams is very well, thank you. But the house he lives in is sadly dilapidated. It's tottering on its foundations. The walls are badly shattered and the roof is worn. The building trembles with every wind. Can anybody relate in here? And I think that John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it before long. But he himself is very well. So what John Quincy Adams was saying is this body is just temporary. I'm doing well. But you know what? Just as Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe in him, you will rise. The last moment you take your breath here on earth, you're transferred into heaven. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And eventually the resurrection will happen and your body will be raised and we'll have eternal bodies and all that good stuff. But what could we take home to talk about as we have our Easter meals? Here's a few applications for you. Don't hold on too tightly to the passing things of this world. Because this world is here today, gone tomorrow. You could live to be 120, but if you die without Christ, you gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. Don't live merely for the passing moment, but live for the world where the moments live on forever for eternity. You can live your moment, just you can live your life just for the moment. I remember when I was growing up a teenager, everybody, my wife and I talked about this some, but everybody lived for the weekend. And you're in high school, you can't wait for the weekend. You're working a job, you can't wait for the weekend. You know what? The weekend comes and goes. Live for eternity because that's the only thing that truly lasts. Surrender that which you can't keep to gain that which you can't lose. Surrender that which you can't keep to gain that which you can't lose. I'm going to tell a story that's uh, relevant to my daughter. She's scared of bees. Anybody, your children scared of bees? All right. So this little boy was with his, his dad. And they were driving along a country road on a beautiful spring day, just like today. And out of nowhere, uh, a bumblebee, which we've got them everywhere outside the church, all around my bumblebees, are they at your house too? They're everywhere. A bumblebee flew into the window. And the little boy was panicking because he was deathly allergic to any type of bees. And he was screaming out, shrilling, and the father instinctively grabbed the bee and held on to it and then released it. And the little boy started screaming again. Why did you let go of the bee, Dad? Screaming. And the father pointed to his hand and showed the little boy the stinger of the bee. And he said, son, the bee can't hurt you anymore because I've took the sting. And the little boy calmed down. Well, I got news for you this Easter morning of 2017. Jesus took the sting of sin and death. And if you will surrender your all to him, you no longer have to fear death. You no longer have to fear life or anything in between because he took the sting away. First Corinthians 15, 55 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? So your take home truth, if you look on your listening guide, is this. Jesus is alive and he wants to give you life. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now, some of you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, but what about the Lordship piece? Have you given Jesus every area of your life, every known area? As we grow in grace, he reveals more areas, but have you surrendered every known area? You know, Jesus rose so that you could have victory in your personal life. Sin no longer has to be your master as a Christian. So if you're struggling with a certain sin issue, I've got good news. Jesus paid the price and he wants to give you victory.
For those of us who have never received Christ, it's kind of like my beautiful bride on the front row here. Um, I had to pursue her. She had to say yes. It took, it took a while, long story short. But a lot of you think, well, my, my dad was a Christian, so that makes me a Christian, right? No, you have to personally receive Jesus. And the Bible says in Revelation 3.20 that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. But you know what? The door handle's on the inside. You have to open it to him. And if you've never prayed to receive Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, here's a challenge. A lot of times, Easter, you know, the challenge is, you know, let's think about the empty tomb. But here's the challenge. I've got two challenges. For those of you who are Christian, no matter what church you go to, I want to challenge you to get plugged into a small group for six weeks. I'm giving you a six-week Easter challenge. If Jesus gave his life, surely you could give six weeks of your life. So you guys go to different churches, wherever you're at, get plugged into a small group because life's meant to be lived in community. And for those of you, we're so glad you're here. You come to church on Christmas and Easter and a few other days. I challenge you to come to church wherever for six weeks and just sense God's presence. So that's your six-week Easter challenge. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. The tomb was empty. We thank you that you've got amazing, glorious plans for us. And Father, we, we have six reasons, and there's many more. There's thousands and thousands of reasons, but six reasons why we should celebrate. And Father, I'm wondering among my Christian brothers and sisters, if there'd be someone here today with no one looking around that would say, Timothy, you know, you mentioned Jesus as Savior, but the Lord thing, I've got to work on that. I've got some areas I need to, to surrender and to become more devoted. Jesus gave all of his life, and I need to do the same. If that's you, raise your hand. and I'm going to raise my hand with you because I'm daily trying to surrender. Thank you. Would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, Timothy, you know, you mentioned about being a Christian is something you have to choose. You have to decide to be a Christian. And I've been to church, and my family has, but, you know, I've never personally prayed to receive Jesus. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. If that's you... I want to pray a simple prayer, and you can pray it in your own words, but the Bible says that if you're willing to confess that Jesus is Lord, you're willing to believe that God raised him from the dead, what we're celebrating on Easter, and you're willing to turn from your sin, the Bible says you'll have a new beginning. So in your own words, say something like this right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you rose from the dead on Easter. I'm so thankful that I'm here today. And Jesus, I spent too much of my life just going through the motions, too much of my life, not really living for a purpose. And today, this Easter of 2017, I ask Jesus that my heart is empty. I pray that you would come and fill my heart. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and Savior. And Jesus, I know that you died for my sins. So I want to pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Jesus, step out of heaven and into my heart. Forgive me of all my wrong. Friend, if you prayed that prayer... We want to welcome you to the kingdom of God and invite you to come down in just a moment. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Bless us as we continue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time I'll ask you guys.